Section 7 of Northern Trails, Book 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Melissa Jean. Northern Trails, Book 2, by William J. Long. The Trail of the Cunning One, Part 2. Long after I had left the woods, I heard from Newell that he had caught another fisher in the top of the hollow stump. Pequam had poked the unset trap about till he knew it was harmless, and then, just as he went to sleep carelessly after killing the deer, had climbed the stump without any thought, apparently, of another pitfall that might be waiting to receive him. But better than the trapping, and without any regrets, was to wander wide through the woods alone, far away from the sable line, to follow Pequam's trail, and see what he caught and where he slept, and then at night, before the singing birch-logs, to compare notes with Newell, and learn from him the reason for things that I could not understand. Unlike most wild creatures, Pequam does not seem to keep her little ones with her through the winter. A mother deer usually keeps her fawns until the following spring, breaking away for them through the heavy snows, leading them to the best feeding places, guarding them from danger, teaching them from her own example the things which a deer must know. And it is one of the sad things of hunting, that if a doe be killed in the autumn, her fawn will have small chance to live through a severe winter, unless, as is sometimes the case, the fawn joins himself to another doe and follows her about. Even up weakest the lynx often keeps her big, round-eyed, savage young cubs with her, teaching them to hunt and beat the bush together in the long winter when food is scarce. But Pequam, like all the tribe of weasels, which have scant affection for their young, seems to turn her cubs adrift when she has led them about for a little while in the autumn, after which their instincts and quick wits enable them to shift for themselves. In the hungry days, however, the fisher cubs let native cunning take the place of affection the mother may cast them off but they know her trail and follow it at a distance whenever they need food in the early winter they do very well by themselves though they know little of the world then and are easily caught in traps but when the spring comes and small game is scarce and they are neither skilful nor powerful enough to tackle a deer then they fall back on skill and generosity of their elders sometimes they find their own mother more often, for Pequam, like Mwisuk the coon, has a streak of gentleness in him for his own kind. They take up the trail of the first big fissure they cross, and follow it for days to pick the bones and to eat up anything he might have left of his kill after his own hunger is satisfied. More interesting than these tagging trails of the young fishers are those of the foxes that follow Pequam. Foxes are always hungry, and in the spring, when they are ravenous, and when Pequam takes to killing deer on the crust, Two or three of them will hang to the trail of the big fisher, and live for weeks on the proceeds of his hunting. Pequam rarely covers or hides his kill, but if it be a small one and the territory be not disturbed by men, he will often lie close beside his game in the nearest log, and will rush out from his hiding to drive away the prowlers that would not leave a single bone by morning. Occasionally in the snow you may read the story of his watch and guard, and then a curious thing sometimes comes out. Scarcely he has eaten his full, and yawns sleepily, when some prowler comes upon his trail to share the feast. If it be another fisher, Pequam stands aside when he is satisfied, and makes no objection, for the hungry beggar is a young animal, and not yet big enough to kill for himself. The older animals are solitary, each hunting over wide territory, and rarely, except in famine, crossing over to the hunting grounds of any other fisher. But the young have not yet found their own places, and will follow freely where they will. Pequam, if one may believe his tracks, 
recognizes this and gives his crumbs ungrudgingly to his hungry kinsmen when the foxes appear you read another story before pequam has half finished they come trotting up on his trail and squat on their tails in a hungry circle around him they wrinkle their pointed noses and lick their chops at the good smell in the air they open their jaws in a great hungry yawn showing their red gums and their sharp teeth they are not beggars oh no these gaunt light-footed bandits that with the crows and moose-birds follow pequam as a horde of hungry mouths always follow a shark at sea sharers of the feast are they guests from the byways and hedges to whom every smell is an invitation never a word is said but one sits behind the master of the feast and makes his jaws crack suggestingly the others move around and yawn prodigiously in his face telling him politely to hurry up and eat quickly so that the real feast may begin the very sight of these hungry yawning exasperating fellows rouses pequam's temper like poking a stick at him he rushes at the nearest fox to annihilate him but Elimos turns and floats away lightly through the woods, as if the breeze were blowing him. Try as desperately as he will with his short legs, Pequam can never get any nearer to the white tip of the floating plume before him. And worst of it all, Elimos seems to be making no effort, but looks back over his shoulder as he capers along. Pequam turns back at last, only to hurl himself headlong through the snow, far faster than he came, for the other foxes are already on his kill tearing it away and bolting it in big hungry mouthfuls he scatters them like chafe and hunts one away into the swamp whereupon the first fox slips in and gets a mouthful with the others then pequon comes flying back and sits on his deer and spits impotently at his uninvited guests he does not chase them again but eats his fill while the foxes sit around and yawn hugely with a mouthful now to stay their stomachs they can wait a little longer they are never still a minute but move around and sit on all sides of the table when he has eaten enough pequam cannot quite make up his mind what to do he is sleepy already and lies down on the deer but the old habit of hiding away is strong upon him and he wants to find a hollow log he cannot sleep where he is and if he goes away the foxes will fall upon his game ravenously and leave him only dry pickings when he comes back again he backs away craftily at last and then, when a bush hides him, and the foxes are tearing at the game, he rushes back and scatters them like a whirlwind. So the little comedy runs on, and each player writes his own part in the snow for your eyes to read. It always ends the same way. Pequam leaves his game grudgingly and curls up to sleep in his hollow log, but he slumbers uneasily at first, as one does with something on his mind, and before he can sleep contentedly, he must get up once or twice to shivy the foxes which by this time have eaten their full and are carrying away portions to hide in the woods it is perhaps the thought of these hungry thieves if even a fox can be called a thief for helping himself when he is hungry that leads pequam to leave behind him a curious sign of his ownership once i found where he had killed a porcupine and left the greater portion of it uneaten instead of covering or hiding his game he made at a little distance a circle of tracks going around his game five or six times and leaving as many plain boundary lines in the snow my first thought at the time and i hold it still was that pequam was a young fisher and had left a warning to any prowlers that might find his game when i found it only a pair of moose birds had disregarded the warning but i did not know at the time of pequam's sleepy habit after eating that it may be that he was somewhere near drowsing away in a hollow log 
and had made the cunning circle of tracks to hide his trail and to confuse anyone who should attempt to find him. It is in hunting the porcupine without injury to himself that Pequam's cunning is most manifest. Unkwunk is one of the unanswered questions of the wilderness. So stupid and yet so carefully shielded from the harm and hunger that torments all other animals. He is always fat, while crafty and powerful beasts are starving, and his armor of pointed quills generally shields him perfectly from their attacks. Occasionally the fox or the lynx or the big owl tackles him when hunger becomes intolerable and they must eat or die. But to touch the huge chestnut burr anywhere is to fill one's mouth with quills, and behind the burr is the lively tail, always ready to drive in the tormenting barbs by the dozen. Pequam alone has learned the secret of safe attack and kills the porcupine whenever he is hungry and can find no better meat. Trappers take his skin, but rarely find any deeply embedded quills to tell of these encounters. While the late winter pelts of fox and lynx often show only too plainly how they have been punished in trying to satisfy their hunger. A curious trail in the snow led me one day to what may be the secret of Pequam's success. He had crossed the clumsy trail of a porcupine and loped along it rapidly, till with a rush he headed Unkwunk before the latter could climb a tree and escape the attack. For not even Pequam would dare follow along a branch and expose his face to the blow of Unkwunk's tail. The track showed that the porcupine had thrust his forehead promptly against the tree to save his face, according to his wont, and then stood ready, a bristling cushion of spears, defying anything to touch him. Pequam circled swiftly behind his game and plunged into the snow and disappeared. Deep under the deadly tail and the feet and the body of Unkwunk, he pushed his tunnel, then thrust his nose out of the snow, just under the porcupine's throat, and gripped him and held fast. A porcupine never struggles when wounded, but holds his thorny guard till he dies. Pequam, lying under the snow with only his muzzle exposed, so that the barbed and swift-striking tail could not touch him, simply held his grip on the throat till the tense muscles relaxed their spasmodic pull and lay still. Then he came out, opened his game carefully along the underside, where there are no quills, and ate his fill and went away untouched, leaving the briery, untoothsome morsels, to any hungry prowlers that might follow his trail to share the feast. Once since then, a guide told me of following a black cat's trail, and finding where he crept up on a porcupine, and tunneled under him and gripped the throat, while his own body was safe from attack under the snow. And I have no doubt the habit is a more or less common one, and may be witnessed again, if one but will follow patiently Pequam's cunning trail. Where fishers increase, deer grow scarce, for Pequam kills them easily on the crust, and these two facts, the crusted deer and the outwitted porcupine, undoubtedly explain why Pequam is often fat, even in the gaunt month of March, and why he sleeps well-fed and warm for days at a time, while larger or faster animals must wander all night, long through the hungry woods. Many other things were seen or read on the trail of the cunning one, while Newell followed his lonely safal line, and the little hunting camp on the Dungarvon, waited with its warm welcome to tired hunters in the twilight. Those were good days, and no hunting ever paid better in happiness than that which followed the trails without a thought of harm, and was content to let the snow tell its own stories. But like all good times, they did not last very long. Work called me away, and I like to think that the solitary old Indian sometimes missed his queer hunting companion, who used to go out for caribou and leave his rifle at home and who always came back satisfied at nightfall.
the door of the little hunting camp now hangs open on its hinges and within are only mice and squirrels newell is far away following other trails the birch logs that sang to us the wood songs are now ashes and the wind has scattered them to the forest again but pequam's coat still glossy and soft and warm curls itself into a great muff about a little girl's fingers the winter wind ruffles it and it starts and gleams and quivers nervously as if it heard a footfall on its track and when you put your face down into it to keep your nose warm as pequam used to do when he went to sleep there is a subtle woodsy fragrance which speaks of fir balsam and birch smoke and the still white woods and of a warm hollow log under the snow at the end of the crooked trail end of the trail of the cunning one end of section seven